In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll continue tonight our meditation or reflection on Psalm 78. This psalm is the second longest psalm after Psalm 119. Also, this psalm is a historical and educational psalm. What do I mean historical and educational? Historical, he reflect on the history of children of Israel, not for the sake of boasting with the glorious history, not for the sake of mentioning heroes in the history of Israel. Rather, he is mentioning the weaknesses and the sins of the children of Israel. And also, he mentioned the compassion and the long-suffering of the Lord. So, in order to educate generations to come about we should not be a rebellious generation as the children of Israel was. Also, we know that God is compassionate, long-suffering, but we should not take advantage of this because God actually, at certain moment, he starts to punish the people. But his punishment is therapeutic. What do I mean therapeutic? Not to take vengeance on them, but rather to lead them to repentance. We finished until verse 58. He starts by saying, you know, Pharaoh rebelled against God. So God disciplined Pharaoh and the Egyptians with the ten plagues and delivered the children of Israel from Egypt with mighty hand. But in the wilderness, the children of Israel again rebelled against God and complained and murmured and grumbled against God. So what happened? Actually, none of the children of Israel who left the land of Egypt entered into the promised land, except two persons only, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Ephraim, the only two persons. Actually, everyone else died in the wilderness. And God was hoping that their children, the generation that entered into the promised land, you know, will learn a lesson from their fathers. But after God conquered all the nations and gave them the promised land, and they were established there, they had houses, they start to have fields and money and positions start to rebel against God and start to build uh, altars for the idol and instead of praying and worshiping the Lord God they start to worship idols so starting tonight from verse 59 when God heard this heard what heard the rebellion of the children of Israel after God actually led them inside the promised land he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel. He was furious and greatly abhorred Israel. So once more God punished them for their sins, abandoning them to their enemies, even allowing the Ark of the Covenant to be captured, as we are going to read in the five following verses. These verses from 59 to 64 cover period 
from the entrance into Canaan, the promised land, to the fall of the sanctuary of Shiloh. When the Israelites entered into the promised land, they established a place for the tabernacle of meeting in Shiloh. Shiloh was in the land of Joseph, in the land of Joseph. So God actually allowed this place to be conquered and also the Ark of Covenant to be captured by the Philistines. So God heard, meaning God knew, as we read that God heard the voice of the blood of Abel crying out to him, or as he heard the voices of Sodom and Gomorrah and the sins of his people crying unto heaven. So here God also heard the rebellion of the children of Israel. So how God responded to the rebellion? He responded severely. He was furious and greatly abhorred Israel. Verse 60, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. The tabernacle which Moses built in the wilderness of Sinai by the command of the Lord and according to the pattern showed him and which when the Israelites were settled in the land of Canaan was set up in Shiloh. We read in Joshua chapter 18 verse 1 when they settled in the promised land they actually set the tabernacle of meeting in Shiloh. So God actually was angry, furious, so he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men, and delivered his strength and captivity into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. The removal of the ark by the Philistine was a demonstration in act that God had forsaken the place. Because if God protected the place, the Philistines would not take the Ark of Covenant. And by the way, the Ark of Covenant was never restored to Shiloh. Because after the restoration of the Ark of Covenant, the place changed from Shiloh into Jerusalem. So Asaph remembered the tragedy at Shiloh, where the Philistines overran the tabernacle, killed the priests, and captured the Ark of the Covenant. You can read this story in 1 Samuel chapter 4 from verse 11 to verse 22. This actually was the time of Eli the priest and Samuel the prophet. What he meant in verse 61, he delivered his strength to captivity. His strength because the Ark is considered a symbol of God's power. This constituted the ark, the defense of the people. This was the sign of the presence of God, which when the ark was with them, was their real protection. Also, the ark represented the glory when he said, and he delivered his glory into the enemy's hand. The glory that departed from Shiloh 
was the glory of God's blessing upon Israel and the presence of God with an obedient Israel. God allowed that the people he had chosen for his inheritance, Israel, as his own and favored people to be surrounded and defeated by the swords of the enemies. Even though Israel was God's inheritance, they were his portion and position, he had chosen them for it, God chosen Israel to be his inheritance, 30,000 Israelites were slain in the battle in which the ark was captured. 30,000. You can read this in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 10. They fell in battle because they were no longer supported by the divine strength. Verse 62. He also gave his people over to the sword, 30,000 and was furious with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men, and their maidens were not given in marriage. The fire here may be regarded as the image of a destructive war. So in the war, usually there is fire. The fire of war consumed the young men, so that the maiden remained unmarried, there was no young men to marry the maiden. That's why the fire consumed their young men and their maidens were not given in marriage because there was no young men. Verse 64, the priests fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. There was no joy, nor there were marriage celebrations. Asaph reminded Israel that the losses at Shiloh were more than just the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, the Ark of Covenant was taken, priests killed, people killed by sword, young men consumed by fire, maiden were not married. So there was great loss of life, including priests. The priest he referred to Hifni and Finhas, the son of Eli, the priest who fell by the sword of the Philistines. And the widow made no lamentation on the loss of their men. For their sorrow over what happened to all the people was much more greater than personal sorrow. You know, the wife of Finhas was pregnant. And when actually she heard that the Ark of Covenant was taken by the Philistine. At the same time, she gave birth to uh, her baby when she heard that the Ark was taken into captivity. And also her husband and her father-in-law died, Eli the priest and Phinehas. So what actually made her sorrowful more than the death of her husband and the death of her father-in-law that the Ark of Covenant was taken. So the baby she delivered, she called him Ichabod, which means the glory has gone from Israel. The glory has gone from Israel. Yes, there was no lamentation or personal sorrow, 
Why? Because the sorrow over what happened to all the people was much greater than personal sorrow. Verse 65, Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. In the 50 days of resurrection, in the song O Heavenly Choirs, some people are not comfortable to say the Lord rose as a mighty man from wine. But this is a verse taken from here, from Psalm 78, verse 65. Like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. God in his grace did not abandon his people in spite of their rebellion against him. Even though the people had committed these grievous sins against the Lord, and the Lord had rejected his people, still God kept his promises. God took pity on his people and delivered them from their adversaries. So here God seems like someone awoke from sleep to work diligently in the life of his people. We know, of course, God neither slumber nor sleep, as we read in Psalm 121, verse 4. Yet getting up to judge the Philistines after an extended period of silence and long-suffering, he would seem as though awakening from sleep or shouting out of wine. The story of how God exalted himself over the Philistines and put them to a perpetual reproach, you can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 5. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine, and he beat back his enemies, the Philistines. He put them to a perpetual reproach. He put them to a perpetual reproach. You can read the story in 1 Samuel chapter 5. In it all, God demonstrated that he was able to guard his glory when his people neglected his glory. The Israelites neglected the glory of God, but God is very jealous on his glory and he guarded his glory. Why God was not pleased with what the Philistines did? Because as we read in 1 Samuel chapter 5, God was not pleased with the pride and the malice of the Philistines because they took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, an idol, a pagan god, and set it by Dagon, as if God is equal to Dagon. So God was very furious with the Israelites, and he put them to a perpetual reproach. So even while the symbol of his presence was captive in a pagan temple, God demonstrated his glory. And Dagon, by the way, fell down before this idol, fell down before the Ark of Covenant. So, now, Asaph, from verse 67, he chose, or he is explaining to God, 
where is the place that God chose to be permanent place for the Ark of Covenant and for the temple. Moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph. I told you Shiloh was in Joseph, in the land of Joseph. So he rejected the tent of Joseph means he did not want the land of Joseph to be the place for the Ark of Covenant. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, Ephraim son of Joseph. So it was in the land of Joseph in the inheritance of Ephraim. But it chose the tribe of Judah. That's where the Ark of Covenant and later the temple was built. Mount Zion, which he loved. So Asaph explained how God did not choose other tribes to be home of his sanctuary. He rejected the tent of Joseph and instead chose Jerusalem, Mount Zion, to be the spiritual center of Israel. Tent of Joseph is the sanctuary at Shiloh, which Shiloh was north of Bethel and thus within the limits of the tribe of Ephraim. When a permanent site was to be assigned to the tabernacle, the ark of the and the ark God did not choose for them Shiloh, but that of Jerusalem. And this was a prophecy regarding Christ and his church, because choosing Judah is choosing Christ because Christ came from the tribe of Judah. And Jeremiah points to the fall of Shiloh as a warning to the disbelieving generation who refused to believe that God could possibly desert Jerusalem and allow his temple to be destroyed. So as God actually deserted Shiloh, God can desert Jerusalem and allow his temple to be destroyed, which happened at year 70 AD, when Titus, the Roman general, entered and destroyed the temple. And now, in the new covenant, we can worship God in any area. God chose Judah, for Judah would be the tribe through which the Messiah would come. St. Augustine has a beautiful explanation, because some people maybe understood that God rejected Joseph in himself and chose Judah. So St. Augustine says, God did not reject Joseph, but he rejected the land of Joseph to be the place of, of the ark. God did not reject Joseph and select Judah by reason of their personal merits. Had he done so, he would have chosen Joseph. Why? Who excelled very much, whether one regards his chastity, his patience, his wisdom, his love of his enemies. So, if it is based on personal merits, Joseph would be chosen. But he chose Judah on account of David, because David from the lineage of Judah. And he chose David on account of Christ, because Christ is the son of David. And he destroyed the synagogue to build up the church. So the, even the temple of Solomon was destroyed to build up the church of the new covenant. Verse 69. And he built his sanctuary 
like the heights, like the earth which he has established forever. Just notice the word forever here, it's important. He built his sanctuary referring to the temple of Solomon. He built his sanctuary like the heights referring to the temple of Solomon. David set up only a tent for the ark, but the temple was then designed at the time of David, and preparation were made for building it, but David did not build it, but later Solomon built it. Like the heights means a very stately place, magnificent and glorious, like the heights. It was built as firm as the heights, like the earth which he has established forever. Here is the parable, which is the psalmist promised in the beginning of the psalm, and when he told us to say it from generation to generation. For the sanctuary of the Old Testament was not established forever, but was only a type, a symbol of the sanctuary of the New Testament. So when we read the word forever, we know the Temple of Solomon was destroyed year 70 AD. So forever here is not about the sanctuary of the Old Testament, but it's a symbol of the sanctuary of the New Testament. Verse 17. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. As you know, David was a young shepherd taking care of the sheep. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So from following the ewes that had young, the ewes that had young babies, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people and Israel, his inheritance. So God chose a leader from the tribe of Judah to lead the people into godliness, to shepherd them back into God's grace. God chose David to be the leader of the people. God chose David, his servant, from a very humble position, lest he attribute his elevation to any merits of his own. The humble shepherd boy who was following the Ewes that had young was God's choice to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. From being a shepherd, as he really was, to shepherd Jacob, the people of God. From feeding sheep, took him to feed men, for he placed him over the kingdom of Israel and of Jacob, his people and his inheritance. Last verse, verse 72. So he, David, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So Psalm 78 ends on a hopeful note. It concludes with a recognition of and gratitude for the goodness of God because he chose David 
who actually had integrity and wisdom and skillfulness in ruling over the people. So David performed his task of governing Israel faithfully. He had the direct testimony of God to that effect when God said about David, man after my own heart. He was more anxious to serve than to rule. David was more anxious to serve the people than to rule over them. The integrity of his heart because with a pure heart he never sought his own glory but the glory of God. Never sought his own profit or his own benefit but that of the people. We can say David fed the sheep not as his own he is the owner, but as belonging to his master, he's just a steward, as a servant, not as an heir or not as an owner. In wisdom, he expressed the wisdom. How? By the skillfulness of his hand. He guided the people because whatever he did, he did it on due reflection, not rashly, not without taking counsel, or selfishly, but he prayed about it, thought about it, that's how he shepherded the people. But all these perfection attributed to David are absolutely found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So they are existing in David as in, in a relative way, but in absolute way in the son of David, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because had David been so perfect in these attributes, he would not have been so severely condemned for coveting the wife of another, for the commission of murder and adultery, for pointlessly making a census of the people. So David's heart mostly had integrity. But the heart of Jesus was perfect in integrity. David guided Israel with great skill, but the Lord Jesus Christ led the people with perfect skill. Christ was truly innocent in his heart and wise in his work, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2.22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And also, in John 8:46, he asked the people, which of you convicts me of sin? No one can ask this question except the Lord Jesus Christ. This concludes Psalm 78. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.